go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Hi, I'm Peter Doan. And I'm Leslie Doan. And you're listening to the radio broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. Each week in this broadcast, we will explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus and how this theme is relevant as we seek to bring renewal to the church today. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 13 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. And you can learn more about our journey home and our lay apostolate dedicated to the renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our prayer is through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostolate, we can provide pathways for you as individuals, families, as well as parishes to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, we want to welcome you and catch you up a little bit. We're in the midst of a series that we believe is critical to the rebuilding and renewal of the American Catholic Church. Yes, our series is the call to return to biblical Christianity. We've been on an exciting journey into the Acts of the Apostles, where we are rediscovering the characteristics that made those early Christians such a powerful force. We're pulling together the Scripture, excerpts from the Catechism, the lives of the saints, and the teaching of the Church, and we're being challenged on how we too can start to live as those early Christians did. It's been an exciting journey, Peter, and we've been following St. Paul, and he just visited two well-known cities from the Bible times, Corinth and Ephesus, Mm -hmm. and as he usually did as part of his strategy for evangelization, he went right to the synagogues, and there he worked to prove that Jesus was the Christ. Yes, yes, very important. In Corinth, St. Paul stays there a year and a half, teaching the Word of God to the new believers. Then... After this third missionary journey begins shortly after, he goes to Ephesus and a significant visitation of the Holy Spirit takes place and large numbers come to the Lord. He then stays there for two years and three months, speaking the word of the Lord at the school of Tyrannus. Why don't you read to us about this visitation that occurred, because it's pretty exciting. Yes, amen. The Holy Spirit records for us what happens in Ephesus as St. Paul is there for that long period of time in Acts 19, 11. It says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even when handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick, their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Isn't that amazing? It is, it is. It it goes on to say in the next couple verses how there were these Jewish exorcists that were trying to cast out demons, and they said it was by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And then in that situation, Leslie, the... uh, person with the demons attack these seven sons of Sceva and drive them out. 
and everybody around them is watching this. It's an amaze. Then in verse 17, we pick up that when this became known to all the residents in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, everyone was awestruck about what was going on in the city. Because they said, it says in the scripture, that I, like, I love this phrase, the name of the Lord Jesus was praised. Also, it says in verse 18, many of those who became believers confessed and disclosed their occult practices. A number of those who practiced magic collected their books and burned them publicly. When the value of these books was calculated, it was found to be 50,000 silver coins. And I like this last phrase. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. I want to point out one overarching thought as I read these passages, that there is a level of spiritual activity going on here by the Holy Spirit that we often don't see today. I thought the same thing, Peter. I think that we've become very secularized in our modern society towards movements of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And most of the time we relegate these things, these kinds of things happening to the church in the first century and, and not really something can happen now. Yes, that's right. And when you think about it, I think St. Luke recorded these incidents because as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, he wanted to show us the spiritual realities that are surrounding us and are available to us. Don't mm -hmm. you think that's right? Exactly, yes. So no matter what century we live in, we have to be aware of these spiritual realities, especially in the 21st century. Especially. And also, Peter, I was thinking about um, St. Paul and how he told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4.20 that the kingdom of God does not exist just in talk, but in power. Certainly, there was a lot of power going on in the book of Acts. Yes, there was. So I believe this is so needed today, as you point out. We battle a secular mindset that relegates much of this kind of spirituality to, to myth or even to cultural applications. What I mean by that is that these things were written for the culture of the day in order to explain the universe in non-scientific ways. But if we go back to Jesus and the Gospels, we see that the, uh, the gospel is being lived out in these Acts of the Apostles as we read about the St. Paul, and without record, concluding that signs and wonders were an integral part to the expectations, Leslie, that all those who encountered the Lord, it was an expectation. And of course, in the four gospels, is we see that the power of God was demonstrated through our master, the Lord, that brought people's attention to the message. Rebuilding and renewal, which is a theme of this radio program, I believe will flourish and renew Catholicism as we do not only look to the supernatural signs to confirm an investigation that we use for the canonization of the saints, right? But as we also look for signs of God to spread and establish the truth of the gospel. In fact, today in the third millennium, encounters with Jesus that include signs, wonders, and healings are, are really, if you think about it, a dynamic that often I as a Catholic and we as Catholics don't necessarily consider or seek after. So the purpose of this broadcast today, Leslie, that we've decided on is to open our minds to the reality that Jesus desires in our 21st century to demonstrate the power with this power within the Catholic Church. 
And I think as we begin as an expectation and experience in our Catholic faith, we first of all have to look at the early writings of the apostolic fathers and the church fathers through the present day. So we're going to do a little history lesson today when we discover that God's power spread after even Jesus and the apostles. Well, there is a belief among some Christian groups that supernatural evidence was really only necessary in the first century. Rather than these gifts disappearing because they're no longer necessary, it seems to me, Peter, that the power of God is necessary now more than ever. Yes, the, you know, this belief in the disappearance of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether it's held to be sudden or gradual, is referred to cessationism or the cessationist view. And this view is taught, really, in, in, with, not to be critical, but in many Protestant settings. But on the other hand, Catholics have always had a history of accepting the supernatural. And I think we have, however, in our modern Western church particularly, limited these extraordinary works and have rarely connected them to typical Catholic Christian experience. Well, we're going to take a short break now, and when we return, we're going to get into this a little bit deeper and discuss how not only St. Paul and the early believers relied on the power of God to confirm the validity of the gospel, but also how our spiritual ancestors have done so as well. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. It might be the people. It could be the programming. But we think it's the God who made the people and inspired the programming. He's the best reason we can think of to keep coming back. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. In this series, we've been exploring the call to return to biblical Christianity, and we've been learning why the early Christians were described as those who have turned the world upside down. Now today, we read how the word of the Lord grew and prevailed in Ephesus. This powerful move of the Holy Spirit was marked by extraordinary miracles. Handkerchiefs and aprons carried from St. Paul's body caused diseases to leave and evil spirits to come out. Mm -hmm. Also, there were Jewish exorcists who could not cast out the demons, believers confessing their occult practices, burning their books in the sight of all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being praised. That's a lot of stuff going on, isn't it? I know, it was pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Peter, first of all, why does God desire to rebuild signs and wonders in the church? And how can we be sure this dynamic remained in the church after the apostles' generation passed? I think if we don't make any other point, Leslie, we want to make this of why signs and wonders are important. First of all, they confirm the proclamation of the gospel, the kerygma that we've explained here before. And then this point is very important, secondly, 
and that is because Jesus loves and cares for his people, and signs and wonders are a clear expression of his love and mercy. It's interesting, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is talking about his co-worker, Epaphroditus, who got very, very sick, in the, in that, but then the Lord healed him, and Paul said the, way, the reason that the Lord healed him was out of the Lord's mercy. So mercy is an expression of why God brings signs and wonders to us also. And it draws us close to him. Yeah. Now to the second question, I think a short church history lesson that I mentioned would be very valuable to us as we look at our history as Catholics. I'm going to comment on the early church, which most historians tell us covers the years 100 to 500 A.D., this activity we see in Paul's ministry, the power of the Holy Spirit and God's kingdom continued. First of all, let's think about a very early father, Justin Martyr. He was between 110 and 165, his lifespan. He was born of pagan parents, but converted to Christ when he was about 30 years old. And this is what he wrote. For one receives the spirit of understanding, another counsel, another healing, another of strength, another of foreknowledge, another of teaching, and another of the fear of God. The prophetic gifts remain with us to this present time. For some believers do certainly cast out devils so that those who have been cleansed from evil spirits do frequently both believe and join the church. Isn't that interesting that uh, deliverance and exorcism cause some to join the church? Others have knowledge of things to come. They see visions and utter prophetic expressions. So there's a lot of spirituality going on in there, right? Right. That the, Justin Martyr is talking the about. The charisms of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So a second saint to reference is St. Hilary from 315 to 367 AD, and he was a 4th century bishop in Gaul, which is, of course, presently France, and he's often called the Athanasius of the West because of his work against the Arian heresy. But he writes this, We who have been reborn through the sacrament of baptism experience intense joy when we feel within us the stirring of the Holy Spirit. He went on to declare, among us, there is no one who from time to time does not feel the gift of the grace of God. Elsewhere, St. Hilary mentions the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the experience opens. He said, we begin to have insight into the mysteries of faith. We're able to prophesy and to speak with wisdom. We become steadfast in hope and we receive the gifts of healing. In the same piece, Leslie, he goes to underline the importance of using the gifts which the Lord gave us. And he said, these gifts enter as a gentle rain, but little by little, they bear fruit. And one of the things that St. Hilary taught was that these gifts grow. In other words, they start out really small, but as we mature in Christ, then the gifts be kind of become more powerful during that growth period. Also, there was St. Cyril. Yep. In 315 to 387, mm -hmm. he was a bishop of Jerusalem, and he was an important leader in the Holy City, and he wrote a great deal. 
including some significant pieces on the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. Um, He gave a series of 23 lectures to those who were preparing for baptism. And in one of them, he described the spirit as a new kind of water. And that is what this, and whatever the spirit touches, the spirit changes. I really like that. Yes, he's really well known for developing the mystagogy that we study in RCIA, Leslie. A lot of the mystagogy comes from his writings. He was adamant that hermits virgins, and all the laity have these gifts of the Spirit. That's us. And following the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, Cyril urged the Christians in his pastoral care to receive the gift of prophecy. So he was very much encouraging uh, supernatural Holy Spirit activity. Yes, and he was really early on. And like you said, I think it's important to point out to our listeners that he included the laity in functioning in signs and wonders. Then we go to what are the great teachers of the East, the Cappadocian Fathers, that's St. Basil of Caesarea and St. Gregory of Nazianzen. Their dates are like around 330 to 389. And these, again, were prominent bishops in Asia Minor, but they expected the miraculous would be initiated at a time when new Christians were baptized in water and hands were laid on them, and with prayer, they'd receive the Holy Spirit. The third Cappadocian father, Leslie, was St. Gregory of Nyssa, and he was brother of St. Basil, and he wrote a very interesting biography about this saint called Gregory the Wonder Worker, who was a third century North African Christian. And this is what he said about, saint, about Gregory. He commented, he said that he accomplished his many healing miracles without much of a fuss. And again, he said, but for the deliverance from demons and the cure of bodily ills, his breath from his mouth was sufficient. And he summed it up and he said, to go through in order all the marvels of this, of this Gregory the Wonder Worker worked by him would require a long, long book. Very interesting. Well, through these writings, hopefully our listeners can see that the early church fathers expected expected to see visible evidence of the Holy Spirit working in miraculous ways among the new Christians. And if Peter if were to return to biblical Christianity, what, what should we be thinking about? I think we can begin to ask ourselves through these early events the question of the necessity of creating more of an openness to this kind of spirituality and practice. There are many more examples that we might talk about for now. However, we can begin to consider a Catholic culture that seeks and demonstrates the present supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit. Leslie, there's so many more that we could talk about. Right, it's all throughout our history. Yeah, time, time limits us, but we could just mention the names like Ignatius, Polycarp, Irenaeus, Origen, St. Anthony of Egypt and the, uh, the Desert Father, St. Patrick of Ireland, and St. Augustine. We move through history, we've got lords that just sticks out as a place where signs and wonders happen regularly. We also have St. Bede, the father of English history, worked and talked about signs and wonders. Our patron of our radio program, St. Francis of Assisi, functioned in signs and wonders regularly. And then, of course, presently, one of your fans, the favorite, St. Faustina, and then Padre Pio, who's one of mine. 
Well, it's exciting to see that the Lord's power demonstrated among the believers did not end with the apostles. Okay, listeners, we're going to take another break now. And when we return, we want to discuss some practical ways we can begin to be more open and release the Lord's supernatural power in our daily walks. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Catholic Radio Indy has a new look. It's our website. Yes, we have a new website that makes everything about Catholic Radio Indy easier. It's clean, straightforward, and simple to use. You can listen to us live, see our schedule, and our map. You can even silence your phone and take it right into Mass to follow the daily readings. And don't forget, you can get all of our programming through the podcast tab. This makes everything so much easier. So just go to catholicradioindy.org and check us out. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. Today we've been talking about the call to rebuild the church here in America through the restoration of biblical Christianity. And in our last segment, we focused on how God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. People were healed by handkerchiefs and aprons that touched Paul. Demons were leaving people. And we also saw how the early church fathers clearly taught and experienced the power of God and the charisms of the Holy Spirit. We especially noted that St. Cyril of Jerusalem said that the works of power flowed through virgins, hermits, and laity as well, and that's us. Yes. So, Peter, let's continue this discussion. How do you think we can begin to be more open to the power of God? Mm-hmm. One of the things that we like to do in our broadcast is to make practical some of the ideas and concepts that we're bringing, and I think that there's some real practical ways that we can begin to bring the Holy Spirit and sensitivities to Him more and more in our daily walk with the Lord. So let's talk a few of, things, a few of those things. Remember like St. Hilary said also that we talked about, that these things start out small. Jesus talked, said that the kingdom is like a mustard seed, right? That it starts small, but then grows. And Hilary reminded us that this whole venture in the Spirit starts small. So here's a one way, first of all, make a habit to invite the Holy Spirit to come and be present. Uh, it says in Revelation 21, Leslie, that the Spirit and the bride say, come. And we're the bride, right? That's right. Okay, so we want to say, come Lord Jesus, but we also want to say, come Holy Spirit. And one of the things that I've done in my life is that the minute my eyes open in the morning, Uh, the first thing I say to start my prayers is come Holy Spirit and invite him to come over me and all of our family. The second thing is uh, that we've really tried to work on is just look for opportunities to pray for people one-on-one and pray in the immediacy of the moment Mm -hmm. by simply asking whoever we're engaging in a conversation, may I pray for you? And recently we had an experience um, in our family and I was on the phone with my sister and my niece who was pregnant was experiencing some complications. And I simply encouraged my sister. I mean, she was upset. She was tearful, very worried that they had been trying for a while to get pregnant. 
And I said, simply, may I pray for you? And obviously, we were able to pray together. And I do know up to date today, my niece is doing very well, the baby's doing well and and healthy heartbeat. And so far, everything is on the right track. And I've found amazingly enough when you a lot of times we are fearful, or a little self conscious and asking somebody if we could pray for them. But 90% of the time people really want that. Right. And they really receive it. Thirdly, we encourage people to consider joining a small group of people where you can pray regularly. Remember, Jesus said, when two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And we've had experiences in our small group where we've seen the power of God touch people. That's right. And if you are a spouse, family, pray together together. Join together and pray on a set regular basis. Develop a prayer list that includes people who are sick, who need our need God's touch, need God's intervention. Right. I know that really helps us, Leslie, when we pray together, that we have a list of people that are sick or battling other um, maladies in their lives. And to just go through them as a list really seems like it's a touch of the Holy Spirit when we do that. Next... Um, we encourage that be open to share your faith with a stranger. I've noticed over the years, ever since my early days in the Jesus movement, which is a long ways away, that (laughs) when I would share, when God opened up a door, there was a sense that the Holy Spirit became very active in that conversation. In fact, it reminds me that uh, St. John Paul II used to use this phrase to be on the lookout in one of his writings. And so I think when we enter our day, we start with come Holy Spirit, and as we walk through the day, that we can be on the lookout for those opportunities. Also, when someone's ill, step out and suggest that they receive the anointing of the sick, that sacrament, and take them to a priest. I we've have, really had some experiences doing yes, that, Yes, we've done it at least two times, if not more than that. Yeah. Um, but I had a colleague at work whose husband was battling um, thyroid cancer. Uh, he'd been through ke- surgery, chemotherapy, and the cancer had come back. And I simply suggested, why don't we take him to the priest for the anointing of the sick? Right. We did. And we had a wonderful time uh, in the sacrament. And thank the Lord, he is clear and free of cancer at this time. And one of the things I think is important to point out, Leslie, that sometimes uh, Catholics are hesitant to go and receive the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. I've often said that it's one of the most underutilized sacraments of the seven sacraments. And when we have an opportunity to do that, a lot of times we need to not only encourage them to do it, but we need to take them by the hand and lead them to the priest like that happened in the situation with your colleague. And the exciting thing is that God honored that and brought a great healing to your friends. A great testimony. Yes. Well, why don't you pray for us now, Peter, um, that we can all be more open to the extraordinary works of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Very good. Uh, We say today, Lord, as we look at this topic, come Holy Spirit upon our lives, upon our families, upon us as individuals and parishes. We ask, O Lord, that you would enliven us to be open to recognize and to follow the Holy Spirit. 
We thank you that this is a part of our Catholic history, and we pray that you would renew our love for the Holy Spirit and renew our openness to his signs and wonders. In Jesus' name, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this has been a great discussion. So thank you, listeners, for joining us today as we seek to connect you as individuals, your families, and parishes to the rebuilding and renewal of the Catholic faith here in America. And if you'd like to hear our past programs, just simply go to catholicradioindy.org where you can access all previous broadcasts through the podcast tab on the webpage. And make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye for now, and keep keep the the faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org.